Shout to the latest internet sensation. Nine. We are YOLO. Can I say hi? Hi. Seven. I think we need to stick to a plan. Six. I just got bitten by a bullet. I don't even think Five. I have to react to that one. This Four. is Triple M's Summer Breakfast. With Seth Costello and Lawrence Marty. Lawrence, I have an amazing ability to lose that thing that ties off the bread on the bag of bread. All right, your little widget. On well, your... this is my point. So I'm talking to Bree, my girlfriend, the other day, and I'm like, oh, where's the, where's the, where's that? And I'm like, what do you actually call that thing? So is it the plastic collar or is it the little the bit of... collar. Is it the plastic bit of wire, plastic coated wire? No, it's the little, little plastic co- square collar. that has the um, sort of Port Phillip Bay chopped out of it at the yep. top that you put in and tie off yes. the bread. That's the first thing that... Gets thrown in the bin when I open the bread. Yeah, because then I just twist it hard and you know fold it over. Yeah, I don't shut that. You need again. it though, you know. Otherwise, you just have to go the twist of the loaf, you yeah. fold it under, and chuck it back in the bread basket. Yeah, I, I'm. So you want to know where that is because it's got the use by date on. That it. helps. Did you really? know somebody allegedly told me that they are use by date well, on bread? Apparently, they're color coordinated. Right. Did you know that that there are some breads where the bread collar is color coordinated. To the day that it was baked. Right, okay. Yeah. I, I just figured that... Well, is that true? I don't know. That's what well, I was I've, told. I've That's what Bree was telling of, me. I've heard all sorts of urban rumours about uh, bread recently, like that they, they make a heap of it and freeze it. Yeah. And, so and then you're, import it sometimes. Yeah, import it. Yeah. And you're eating bread that's been baked six months ago. Yeah. I is think that that's possible? right. possible? Yeah. Well, Jeff Kennett discovered that and... Right. You know, if he says it's right. Oh, yeah, he called Coles on it, he didn't did. he? And I think they won and there was some big compo case. But, yeah, if anybody knows what it's officially called, the little plastic thing that ties off the bread, one triple three five three. We're calling it a collar. I like the collar. I went with bread peg <laughs> as well. That was what we were discussing this yesterday, Bree and I. Your bread. I like bread peg, but I, bread collar's kind of nice. Mm. It's nice and formal. Yeah, I also call it a widget and I don't even know what that is. No. So. Well, they used to, when I was a kid. Hi, you might remember this. There was an alien cartoon called Widget the World Watcher. Is that Can't ring any say bells? I, re- no. I remember that. No. We'll get on the YouTube and no. we'll get the theme on up. On the YouTube. For, yeah. <laughs> he always has a go at me for putting a the in front of social I like media. It. I like it. the, the, it's the, the Twitter. Yeah. Or, you know, Hyphen always takes photos of himself on the Snapchat. Mm. You know, it's, to use it in a sentence. He's a young man. He is. I know. He's a good guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, indeed. So, oh, there's some calls coming in, Lawrence. We may have the answer to this. We'll do that in a moment. I, I, I refer to it as a widget, and I have looked up the dictionary definition of widget, and uh, I'm not wrong. Really? A small gadget or mechanical device. Mechanical? So it is a small gadget. Is it mechanical? Uh, it's not mechanical, I suppose. It hasn't got any moving parts, has it? Mm, well, as always, the Hot Breakfast listeners are out to help us out. At Richmond, morning, Scotty. Morning. What's uh, it called? How are you going? Yeah, what's this bread thing called? They're actually called bread ties. Bread tie. Which you're actually calling it at the moment. Yep. Or they're bread clips or bread tabs. Ooh, right, so it's clips so and it's tabs. One of three names. Yeah, I reckon the ties are the, the uh, plastic coated wire that you can twist uh, around. Out of ringers, David, can you help us out with this? How's it going, guys? Sensational. Are you uh, in the bread industry? I certainly am. Magnificent. Uh, they're called clip locks. Clip locks. Yeah, and they're made on, uh, basically, they're just pre-made uh, clips, and um, they're loaded on a clip-lock machine. And, mate, is it right that they're colour-coded to the day that they are baked? That is definitely true. Hey, there we go. Thank wow. you, David. So much detail yeah. in the bread clip. Well, I don't come clip up with lock. a segment just uh, half done, Lawrence. No. There's a lot of research here. At Bendigo, morning, Simon. 
Morning, gents. How are we? Mate, good. Can you bring a little bit of uh, intelligence to this discussion? <laughs> yeah, it, it'll depend on who you talk to, where they're from and who they work for, what you call them. Right. The most common uh, name for them or the technical term is uh, red clips or flesh bag clips. Yep. Um, now, the little rumour with the uh, coloured tabs, your smaller bakeries don't do it, which is the one I did my apprenticeship through. Yep. Uh, but your bigger ones, uh, your buttercup, your... Um, tolls, you will work. They all have colour coded uh, depending on which day against right. the, the um, expiry date. So you're a baker, Simon? I wasn't an apprentice baker, I just finished the apprenticeship. It just, I just wasn't a baker. Oh, you, you just couldn't hack it? No, I just didn't like the job. I went into mining instead. Right. Hey, Simon, before you go, have you ever heard it referred to as a bread widget? No, that's. <laughs> Yeah, a widget is something you use on a, as an Android. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, well. <laughs> yes, it's an application as well. Isn't that a sign of the times? It's a, an Android app for Simon, but to me, it will always be the purple environmental protector that was part of the cartoon Widget the World Watcher in the early 90s. Hi. It's all coming back. Oh. He was a shape-shifting alien. It was a US and South Korean co-production that ran for three seasons from 1990 to 1992. Yeah, I missed it. How could you, I was spending those years at drama school. Yeah, right. Improvising. Yes, theatre sports. Yes, and uh, (laughs) pretending to be a tree or a rock or something. (laughs) Not three scenes in a minute? Yeah, we did a little bit of that stuff too. Space jump? That's that's what, yes. Space jump. I was very good at space jump. We'll do a group whoosh after this. (laughs) So really, Lawrence, how we got to the end of that discussion was there are about a dozen names for, ironically, a Mm. baker's dozen names for the uh, plastic bit that actually ties off the loaf of bread. And we are going with? Tie, clip, clip lock, widget. No, I think we'll go with clip. Okay, yep. it's the bread clip. Bread and clip. So that has solved the big issues today on Summer <laughs> Breakfast on Triple M. Seb can't find his bread clip. On Twitter, thanks, MG, for your tweet, at MMM Hot Breakfast. Totally remember Widget the World Watcher. I used to go outside and pretend to be him. So I'm not alone here, Lawrence. Because <laughs> he was a shapeshifter too, wasn't he, he Widget? He could He'd be any. He'd spin himself around and turn himself into a purple gorilla. You're getting it. Yeah, I you used to take in a bit of... watch this. I was at drama school, but I was a Widget the World Watcher too. Well, you're just skipping yeah. classes to get home, <laughs> stick on the ABC. That's what I want to be when I grow <laughs> up. <laughs> That's it. Real, I heard your first pitch for Dirty Laundry was, in fact, a real-life version of Widget Wid- the World Watcher. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to dress up as a purple... Uh, uh, TV host. <laughs> so what did he do? Did he uh, arrest bad guys or just... It was a bit like Captain Planet. So he would, there'd be sort of people who were looking to pollute the world. Oh, yeah. Have I lost you on Captain Planet, by the no, way? No. Uh, no. No. <laughs> I'm not convinced. So <laughs> Captain Planet had his five humans who all represented a different force of nature. And if they combined together, they created the ultimate environmental hero, Captain Planet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what Captain Planet is. <laughs> Just... I was thinking Prince Planet, sorry. Oh. Remember Prince Planet? All from... right, no, no. This is no. Right. Tell me about it Prince Planet. It was a manga cartoon oh. from the early 70s, and so it was dubbed. And uh, he's he would run out of energy, and uh, back in the control room where people, they'd, they'd pump his little pee up and go, Prince Planet, and he'd go and, you know, smash evildoers. I reckon Captain Planet could be a ripoff of Prince Planet. There's right. certain similarities I'm drawing here. Like a... a 
Like he had power. He definitely right. you, you, and his power those would of us go who aren't low. in the studio, which is the majority of the yeah. people listening to this, Lawrence had kind of inferred that there was a, a circle of power around where Prince Planet's yeah, but, heart was. Yeah, he, and Captain Planet had a similar thing. Right. Yeah. And that would go he lose power. Yeah. Why well, wouldn't they just keep him topped up the whole time? Why do they need to let him get close to death? I could be wrong. If uh, there are any Captain Planet aficionados, please give us a call, one triple three five three. But I believe that Captain Planet's energy was somehow linked to the planet. So if one of the guys polluted the ocean, it would be like sort of, you know, it would draw energy from Captain Planet and he'd sort of get low. Wow. That, the Gulf of uh, Mexico oil spill must have nearly destroyed Captain <laughs> that was, Planet. That was like a morning after the Christmas party for Captain Planet. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a brutal one. We kicked off on the weekend. Um, a lot of people would have gone to Christmas parties. I went uh, to a boys weekend. I, I took some friends down to the family compound at Safety Beach. It wasn't nude fest out at Tatong, was it? <laughs> I think that happened on the weekend. Uh, did you catch up with that? They're not happy about that at the moment. There was a festival in country Victoria where there were two Patong. things banned, women and clothes. It's called right. nude fest and they're not too pleased about it. But you weren't there. And it's just blokes yep. standing around in the nude yep. drinking beers. Uh, yes, that's right. Wow. Mm. Sounds awesome. Yep. Um, no, I, I had a... <laughs> I headed down the uh, the beach with uh, my friend Marty Sheargold yes, and uh, comedian. and another mate of ours, and it was just a, a lock in for for beers and and protein really, yeah. just sausages and beer. Right. Um, but shortly Hang after on, arriving, did you stray from your diet? <laughs> I did. Oh, I've, Lawrence, I ha- I've had a cheat weekend. Have you? I'm only meant to have two alcoholic drinks. Yeah. On the Saturday and the Sunday. Well, we went over that. <laughs> Only by a few. A few extra Weight Watchers but points. Shortly after arriving down at the peninsula, there was a siege and standoff. At Rye. In a Rye bakery. Mm. And so my wife was texting us going, you guys aren't in a bakery, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I want my pie with sauce. <laughs> I'm not leaving. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, man arrested there and the, the courts will decide what went on. But uh, you guys are a bit further up the coast at Safety <laughs> I tell Beach. you what, some people take it really – they're – their vanilla slices very seriously. <laughs> yes, and so who was in, who was uh, best on ground? Who won? If it was a footy trip, who would win the down low? Oh, the down low. Mm. I was awarded a down low once by St Kilda South Caulfield Football Club, but I won't go into that. Oh, um, park that. I'll make you a note of that. <laughs> and oh. I wasn't even one of the players. I was the guy on the footy trip who's a mate of a mate. Yeah, well, why How don't did you bring you get Boone in? Man on the footy trip? Yeah. It's just because of the potential of behaving badly. There is a very well-known member of Melbourne's legal profession, who I won't name to protect the innocent, who is the only man to have won two downloads at two separate clubs and not to have played a senior game for either (laughs) during the season. So that's, yeah, if you're not a player or a contributor to the club, then you better make sure that your place on the footy trip is well earned. <laughs> That's true. You do feel like you've got to make it up to the guys. So, so yeah. South anyway, so we all did very to... well. Yep. So uh, I've left the boys down there to clean up and lock up today and uh, came up here early this morning to see you, Seb. Mate, I appreciate two that. two and a half weeks of summer breakfast. Mm, looking forward to it. There was a bit of subterfuge for you over the weekend. You yep. were charged with a very serious and... Uh, and a secret mission. Well, it tested me as to whether I could keep secrets or not, and I think I came out okay. Are you a good secret keeper? Well, I, this really did put me to the sword, but I think I was successful in it. Look, uh, best mate Maddie, been dating his beautiful girlfriend for uh, many, many years, right. and calls me during the week and says, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pop the question. 
So what was the tipping point for him? Uh, it's had, a, had he been, uh, been under pressure or he just decided, I want to spend the rest of my life with this I woman? I think it was the epiphany that right. he's onto a pretty good thing yep. and let's just make sure it's going to happen. So it was a bit of an elaborate plan. Fitzroy Gardens, just opposite the MCG there, the idea Beautiful. was it was her birthday. She thought that he was in Sydney at a function for his sister who is also engaged. Without her knowledge, he flew back into Melbourne and I was asked to gather the friends in Fitzroy Gardens at the Dragon Slide, which is towards the uh, northeast corner of the gardens. Well, meanwhile, at a rotunda nearby, she was being brought for a walk with her best friend and would then be sort of nudged into the rotunda where he was waiting to get down on one knee and ask the question. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it was all happening. He was pretty cool, calm and collected about it too until about 4.30 where I got a text with very specific shopping list instructions. Champagne glasses, chips, the whole... And then it said, cars, in quotation marks, water crackers, biscuits, times five assorted varieties. Right. And I got to Coles and there was only one box of cars left. I've I've had this problem before. Mm. I like my water crackers, yep. and there's a huge, there's a plethora of crackers from Sarkatar to Waterfords you know, to your nutritious wheats or whatever. Yep, yep. I want my cars, yep. water crackers, and when they're low, <laughs> and I know people out there will be going first world problem. Yep. I can't believe it because we don't have the queue for food in this country. Mm, no. You know, sometimes the, the the queue for cheese yep. in Moscow will be around the block, mm. but. Uh, when you run out of crackers, what do you do? I'm going to invite you to the engagement party, Lawrence, because you and Maddie sound like you get on together with mm. the same passion for cars, water crackers. <laughs> so look, I made do. Anyway, the plan was that the friends would gather at the park at 6.30 and then about 6.35, hopefully with the engagement having gone successfully, the couple would walk in and everybody else would discover, lo and behold, she said yes. And then I could finally give up the game. Right. She was running late. So friends arrive in the park. Table set up. It's 6.30. And they think they're there for a birthday celebration. Indeed. A surprise birthday celebration. Mm-hmm. They know he's making the surprise attendance, but they don't know about the engagement part. So 6.30 comes. Oh, g'day, you know. Where's Matt, the groom-to-be? Um, he's moving the car. 6.50 comes. Oh, Matt's taking a while. Yeah, parking's at a premium on, uh, <laughs> right. on a Saturday afternoon uh, near the... Yeah, time keeps going. Seven o'clock, where's Matt? Uh, he's moving the car. So cracks were starting to appear, and I thought, am I just mm. better off going right? Guys, look, there's a little bit going on. If you just poke around the corner in the rotunda, you'll see. But no, I stayed strong despite every... It was a bit like you know that scene in Rambo 2 where they've got him hung up, he's having flashbacks, <laughs> and he's being forced to give up information. And I was feeling that sort of pressure. It was just like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because, uh, of course, you wanted to keep that secret mm. from them because you wanted his wife-to-be to be the first one to hear. Yes, exactly. Okay. To deliver that beautiful news. So anyway... What happened? What ended up happening was she gets there, he gets down on one knee. One of the guests who is arriving is late and actually sees the whole thing unfolding in front of her as she waits on the car on the phone to her boyfriend who was also at the party. So she ends up giving a live broadcast of the proposal oh, as it's happening. So that was nice. the first. Exactly. It had been described as a Daryl Eastlake style broadcast <laughs> of the proposal. Such was the excitement oh, and the hysteria. He's down on one knee. <laughs> Go for it, big boy. Um, and uh, so she unbelievable. said. Unbelievable. <laughs> so and it was unbelievable because she said, yes, marched into the party. Surprise Beautiful. for everybody, secret kept. Well done, you. I think I've earned a, a spot on the wedding party. Nice bit of ice on the finger, was it? 
Well, no, it was what he was described as a placekeeper ring. Right, okay. Because there's a nice little one coming up there. Yeah. The placekeeper ring. Yeah. Yeah. My proposal uh, actually happened in the uh, car park of the Dramana Hotel. Fair dinkum. Yeah. Because my wife and I had discussed getting married and we were excited about it and very much in love when we agreed, yeah, let's get married. Right. Uh, but I hadn't proposed to her. And she said, before we tell our families, you should really propose to me. And uh, so it was very makeshift. And I said, Lulu, I love you. Will you marry me? And she goes, yes. <laughs> like it was a surprise. <laughs> oh, beautiful. So was so there wouldn't have been any sort of silverware? There was or no jewelry. ring, no. No, no. it wasn't even the Adam Cooney burger the, ring sort There of wasn't even a little propeller on a plastic ring from one of those 20 cent <laughs> twister slots outside the milk bar. No placekeeper. No, uh, yeah. Um, maybe I could have made it more romantic. The more I tell that story, the more ashamed I'm becoming. So let's move on. <laughs> well, congratulations to Maddie and Fee who did get engaged. But there you go. So Lawrence, if you want to tell me anything off air that needs a bit of confidentiality, I think I've proved my medal. Yes, and I might just say to you, never tell me a secret because mm. my position on it is, well, if you can't keep a secret, neither can I. I so like any information, I am a sieve. <laughs> I am no good at... Maintaining anyone's private information. Well done, Mark Winterbottom. Frosty finally breaking through and winning after 11 years on the circuit, taking the Drivers' Championship in the V8s. We are chasing the great man, but you can't help but be happy for him, Lawrence. Absolutely. His uh, first championship in 11 attempts. Uh, he's been the bridesmaid many times, third quite a few times and second, and then now he's broken through. I, of course, am a Holden man, so mm. uh, it's a dark day for Touch me. Ford has... Uh, has taken it, but well done to, to Frosty. That's great stuff. Lovely story, too, about how you know grew up with his mum not too far from the track where they were racing on the weekend, and she basically ploughed everything she had into allowing him to have a go-kart career and then eventually got himself a scholarship and made his way onto the circuit. Mum passed away a few years ago, so I didn't get to see mm. his breakthrough win, but in beautiful tribute to her, wore a photo of her on the back of his helmet for many of his races. So nice that he finally got there and he was enjoying it when it was official on Saturday. No, it's just awesome, and for Cam as well to, to win the DVS. Um, everyone in the in the workshops put in a massive effort, so uh, I'm over the moon. I'm going to hit the uh, uh, the party in tonight, and tomorrow night, and the next night, and um, just celebrate this because it's awesome. Hopefully he hasn't hit it too hard because we are hoping to speak to him later in the program. <laughs> well done to Red Bull Racing too, Lounsey and Jamie Wincup to take the constructors' title. Yeah, so well done to Frosty and a beautiful memory of his mum too. And it's so often the story with a successful athlete or any sports person, it's a parent's story because yeah. they drive Sacrifice. them to, you know, yep. training. And uh, and I know Gian Rooney and her parents, you know, you used to drop her off at the pool every morning at 4.45 or something. Unbelievable dedication. Yeah. It's like what your parents did to allow you to win the Downlow for St Kilda and South Caulfield all those years ago. Without their guidance, you don't think you would have got that. No, that's right. Mm. I probably flew in the face of everything they taught me <laughs> to win the Downlow. I love when there's heavy weather, Lawrence, because mm. as a TV reporter, you really get a chance to show just how brave and over the top you can be. Of course, some situations are quite serious, but I'm not above when there is a bit of a storm going down to Frankston Pier and standing next to it and just have the waves breaking on you and make it look as dramatic as possible. You're being whipped by the sleet and the rain and the wind, and mm. it's like, wow, he's really out there. That yeah. is that is reporting. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You're taking it on. And yep. I really have to just pay tribute to my colleague who works for RTE over there in Ireland. They've got storm 
Tom Desmond at the moment, which is a pretty serious situation. So certainly not making fun of those who are affected. But Teresa Storm Desmond, 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 <laughs> Desmond's coming in. <laughs> That's right. Mm. Teresa Mannion is a reporter for RTE, which is like their ABC equivalent. And I think her public service announcement during a live cross needs to be repeated as just an example of what you can achieve with television news. Don't make unnecessary journeys. Don't take risks on treacherous roads. And don't swim in the sea. <laughs> I think not only are they good warnings for a storm, but also great rules for life. Yes. Yeah, I think Don't take <laughs> unnecessary journeys. <laughs> Don't take risks on treacherous roads. You know what? I, we could it have, sounds like Armageddon. I was going to say we could have introduced that completely differently. And Hyfe, if you queue it up, I reckon we could have got away with. They've just released the latest trailer for the new Hobbit movie. Don't make unnecessary <laughs> journeys. Don't take risks on treacherous roads, and don't swim in the sea. It does sound a bit tokenesque. Don't put wasps in your underpants. <laughs> Don't no. eat yellow snow. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to the Melbourne version where we can, you know. Don't forget to touch on on your Mikey, <laughs> and please touch off as well. <laughs> well done, Theresa Mannion. I think I think we need to have Irish warning of the day on Absolutely. the summer breakfast show. You know, if there's a bit of a bank up as you head out to Geelong, mm. don't take the Westgate Bridge. <laughs> And put on your 30-plus sunscreen. <laughs> Magnificent. Just one more time. RTE, Storm Desmond rolling in. Don't make unnecessary journeys. <laughs> don't take risks on treacherous roads. Oh. And don't swim in the sea. It's, it's a very good piece of advice. And I think we need to listen to Teresa. Absolutely. She has lifted the bar. Spotlight was well and truly on drugs at music festivals over the weekend. Yes, it with was. 70 arrests at Stereosonic in Melbourne followed uh, the death of a 25-year-old Sydney girl at the Sydney version of the event and another fatal overdose at the Adelaide event. Yeah, it's uh, just so sad uh, for anyone involved in that, of course. Mm. Um, young people are going to experiment with substances, uh, and especially at music festivals. Um, it seems part of the culture, part of the you know enjoyment, and uh, it's very sad when things go pear-shaped and people die. And as you say, a really sad situation was what happened to Adriana Buchanti, who lost her son Daniel, 34-year-old, after a music festival in eastern Victoria in 2012. And she has since put herself into a campaign to try and stop this happening to anybody else. She joined us on the line. Good morning, Adriana. Good morning. Good morning. What, what change are you trying to bring about? The change that I'm trying to bring about is to have the drug testing stations at um, festivals in order for the substances to be tested. So uh, if you are going to take substances, be it acid or ecstasy, mm -hmm, at least there's mm -hmm. that safeguard. Because um, your son, Daniel, he uh, took a, a fatal overdose. Uh, what was the drug that he took? Well, we, when he called me from the festival that evening, miraculously, because there's no, um, no, there was no radio range over there, he said to me, I've taken some very bad acid something I've never taken before. He said, please come and get me. And he was very psychotic. He, I had to, despite the fact that he had called me, um, I had to convince him that I was his mother. He asked me to tell him things about himself to, to know that that's who, who I was. Right. Um, I said that I would try and organise myself to come and get him. It was a very hot weekend. I had my granddaughter with me. And uh, the next, about an hour later, I called him and I said, look, I've organised something. And he said, no, no, I'm good, good, good. I'm really good. No, no, don't oh, okay. come and get me. I'm fine. Love you. See you Monday. Yep, yep. 
and um, and he was seen on the grounds at 10.30 and pronounced at half past one in the morning. So he, whatever he had taken um, after that was to counteract, obviously, the feelings of this, uh, this other thing he right. thought was acid. Adriana, this system you're talking about, the testing stations at festivals, has it been tried elsewhere in the world? It has in the Netherlands, I believe. My my general understanding is that it has been tried in the Netherlands with some well, with a lot of success, in fact. And one particular um, medico did say that uh, he was in a very good position uh, to speak to people who do take these substances, and more often than not, they don't take them. And uh, and I think that that is. That, that is, um, you know, tried and tested. I think it's time to listen to the experts in this area. I think that we need to be very... We, started, we need to be progressive. The government needs to be progressive and say, OK, let's test this out. You know, this is about loving our children. Mm. You know, our children are tomorrow. It's not about, con, you know, condoning drugs. Nobody thinks drugs are great. No drug is safe. Yes. See, unless it's made in a... In, in, in a pharmaceutical company. Absolutely. Illicit drugs are just that. They're, it's a hodgepodge. You, it's a real raffle. But unfortunately, I think kids are always going to want to experiment with these things. So there needs to be a safeguarding place. It must be a very painful reminder for you of the death of Daniel when you see other young people die at these festivals. Yes, yes. It's, 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 it's horrifying, actually. Um, when, when the young lady in Sydney died, uh, Georgina, I gave a couple of interviews I mean, that, that, that was horrific. And then there was one after that and another one and another one. One death is too many. One death is too many, but six of them or seven, them, including my son, is just horrific. Yes, it is. So, so what are we saying? You know, are we saying that, you know, yes, it's okay for these scumbags that are making these drugs, you know, but we'll just, the onus is on the, on the, on the person taking them. Don't take them. But it doesn't work that way. Mm. You and know, we, we we need to get these young people over that period of experimentation because we were all young one day once. Yes, that's yeah, right. Absolutely. We know well, the folly of youth. Adriana, yeah. your words are very powerful and we wish you all the best on your campaign. People can check it out on change.org slash stop deaths. And if it does that, then that's a good thing. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on it. Thank you. Adriana Bucciante, whose son Daniel passed away of an overdose in 2012. Be interesting to see where that goes. I do note that Stereosonic, the music festival themselves, responded. They joined the chorus of people just asking those who are taking risks to reconsider them. So they were on the front foot too after uh, after that fatality. So all the best, Adriana. If it can save lives, that's a good thing. Yes, it, it's, a, it's a great thing. And uh, there's going to be music festivals. There's going to be youth that's an internal thing, and they're going to experiment with drugs. We have to make sure that we can protect them. Lawrence, I was telling you before about how we had the surprise engagement party with me and my mates in the Fitzroy Gardens mm, on lovely. Saturday night. It was nice, and we didn't actually have the boombox or the iPhone playing the songs. Boombox. But we could, <laughs> yes. Just, I just want to note that again. Boombox. <laughs> yes. Okay. But we could hear very clearly Ed Sheeran rocking out at Amy Park coming through the gardens. It was great. And Ed Sheeran apparently is an amazing spectacle. Mm. People love going along to see him because it's just him on stage, no backing singers, no other musicians, no dancers, no fuss, just him with his guitar, his loop pedal, and he pumps it out for about two hours. It's amazing. Look, Lawrence. Considering I just said boombox, it gives you yep. a little insight to, to where I sit on the scale. But this, Ed Sheeran is the one artist that I can claim I was into before he was cool. 
Oh, really? Yeah, me and the beautiful Breland went to see him around the time his first single, A-Team, was just getting some radio airplay. Very small gig there down at the Palais in St Kilda, about a 1,000 people or so, and he's since moved on in just a few years to now playing to over 30,000 at Amy Park. It's yeah. incredible. He's great, and he's uh, he seems like a pretty unassuming kind of a guy too. I occasionally see him on Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Yep. Um, England's version of Spicks and Specs. Yes. And uh, he's he seems like a lot of fun, seems quite unaffected. But I have got an issue with Ed, and that is diction, son, diction. Yes. You've got to be able to pronounce things properly. The Queen's English. That's right. Now, let's have a listen to the final um, line in the song Photograph, I think it is, uh, and, and just hear, listen for the word sixth. Under the lamppost back on sixth. Street. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's not okay. sixth. Yes. You got to say the six mm. and then the th. You do sixth. It's very difficult Ed. to say though. It, it is. It, it's a tough one. It's a bit like um, some people struggle with asked. Yes. And uh, what comes after eleventh? Twelfth. Mm. Yes. Good. You've got to get the f and the th in there. You got a bit panicked then, didn't you? <laughs> I was about to just go boombox. <laughs> so it's sixth. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a very good point. But yeah, I want to know. Apparently, uh, Mike Fitzpatrick, our program director, was there, and he said that Ed Sheeran was fifty-fifty on the gender split. So plenty of blokes getting behind Ed Sheeran. And if you were there last night, we'd love to hear from you. One triple three five three, or on Twitter, or the Twitter, as it's sometimes <laughs> described on the program at Seb Costello Nine or at MMM Hot Breakfast. What did you think of Ed Sheeran? If Give us a listener review of the uh, of the gig. Yeah, I, he is fantastic. You know, he just he comes off the stage dripping with sweat mm. after having created his own percussion by tapping the guitar, his own rhythm, and then lead guitar lines, and then his vocals over the top. It's pretty extraordinary stuff. Craig at Croydon, were you down there to see Ed? Um, yeah, I was. Yes, I was really good. Yeah, mate. Uh, he, he's a pretty impressive musician. Yeah, I like him because he, he does his um, slow ballads and then he does his, his fast ones. Although with his diction on his fast ones, you couldn't understand a word he said, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can just kind of hum along and tap your foot. Did you go along with uh, friends or a partner, Craig, or uh, on your own? It was our anniversary, so I went along with my wife. <laughs> oh, nice. And uh, she must be a big fan too? Uh, we're not actually big fans of Ed Sheeran, but I haven't even got any of his albums, but I just like what he does. And I heard that you know he plays for two hours and... I just thought, I like his songs, but um, probably couldn't have named probably more than about two songs before I went, but I just heard he's a great entertainer, and he was, and everything he plays is good, so, yeah. And Terrific. it's a nice romantic way to spend your anniversary, so well done. Okay, thanks, Lawrence. On you, Craigie. There you go, mate. Bit of mm. romance is not dead. No, it's not, and of course, uh, Tim, our, our man behind the, uh, the hyphen, the mic, the hyphen yep. over here, he uh, he loves Ed Sheeran because he's a great ambassador for Rangers, the the world over. He is. And he's really pumping up their stocks at the moment. Yes. So, yeah, the hyphen loves it. There's a lot of work. There's more work off the stage than on the stage, some would say. Yeah, no, he's um, he's not uh, classically handsome, Ed Sheeran, <laughs> you wouldn't say. No, but he's not. He's got a very, you know, he seems to be very popular with the ladies. Yeah, well, they can see they're, they're, there's more to them than there is to us. They they can see what's beneath the surface. And I think if you 
can play the guitar and sing, most women are going to love you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. been a tried and tested classic way to pull girls. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Can you strum out a tune on the guitar? Uh, I went through a phase, I think, <laughs> as we all do. I would have been oh, maybe 16 or 17, was listening to a lot of Paul Kelly and thought I might become the next great Australian balladeer. <laughs> Didn't quite end up that way, Lawrence. But you do love a sing, don't yeah, you, Seth? Yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah. Oh, no, you're not, you're, not, you're not going down this path, are I you? I think we've got a recording oh, of you singing, haven't no, we? No, hyphen. <laughs> Put that away. I thought I asked to have that deleted. I actually haven't heard it, but uh, I want to have a listen. Let's have a listen to, no. to Seb Costello no. singing. In the two of us need looking no more. Oh God, really I, I need to explain mind. this. Okay, what are you singing okay, Ben for? Because you're a massive MJ fan. Well, I don't mind Michael Jackson, but we were testing a phone line. Sarah, our amazing, <laughs> talented producer, requested some Michael Jackson. And I thought because, you know, we, we didn't have any music backing, I'd go mm. for a ballad. It actually sounds like Cartman singing. Let's have a <laughs> Ben, the two of us need looking no more. Oh, my God, you're really pulling at my heart. Thing. We... Both found what we were looking for. Oh, we this is not funny. Why does everyone think this is fun? I was doing my job. La 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 la. I'm very impressed. No, you know the lyrics. You've got nice tone. I was just sort of a karaoke version. I was channeling Michael Jackson's somewhat childlike delivery. Yeah, he was. What a beautiful voice. Mm. What a sad end, too. <laughs> MJ. <laughs> yes, no. But you've honoured the man there. It's beautiful. Yeah, we'll we'll have a listen to that again. No, across we the next will couple not have weeks. a listen to that again. Dean Bailey was a name everyone respected in the football industry. Did a very, very good job at Melbourne in difficult times, then moved over to Adelaide, where sadly we all watched his battle with cancer and all thought of his family when he did pass away and his memory is being well and truly kept alive by author patty steinford who today launches breakfast with bales a new book about the hospital visits that he spent with dean bailey as he battled that cancer and he joins us on the line now patty good morning g'day guys good morning well good evening from over here <laughs> now patty uh obviously you were quite close with dean bailey you worked with him in adelaide uh, yeah, that's right, Lawrence. I was there for... Uh, I basically got hired the same day that Bales did. Right. And uh, and so I was there the entire three years that, that he was there. And when he was diagnosed, is that when you had the idea that you are going to sit down and, and, you know, I suppose share the end of his life with him uh, or, or, and then write a book? Or when, when did the book idea come around? The, the book idea was definitely not there when we first started sitting down. We had... Um, I lived with Bales, actually, when we first moved over to Adelaide. And so our relationship, I guess, started by, you know, over breakfast in the morning before we went to training for right. a good month or two. And then, um, so when he got sick, I just suggested, look, I'll bring you some breakfast again for old time's sake. We'll get some snippets to take back to the players and we'll just, you know, keep bridge the gap, I guess, while he mm. beats the, the cancer and comes back. So we, we weren't really talking about a book at that point. But then once it became clear that this was, uh, this was going to be a battle that he wasn't going to win, uh, that's really what it developed into, and particularly talking with his wife Karen afterwards, that we wanted to continue the project and, and do something special with it. Yeah, and you can tell it means a lot to his family, Paddy. And uh, dip my hat to you for that. We saw Darcy Bailey on the Nine News last night, who did a terrific job talking about his dad and just talking about, I guess, how important uh, memorialising Dean in this way has been for him. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, I just got chills right now uh, hearing you talk about that and. And having um, 
having kept in touch with the family the whole time, knowing that they uh, they say that and they support him is one thing, but also when you know when Darcy does that on TV last night and and uh, it just makes it uh, extra special, I guess it it's um, they're an extremely resilient bunch. Obviously, no one would wish on them what they had to go through, both with Dean's illness and death, but also even during Dean's career, he suffered a lot, and some of that's outlined in the book. But the family is just so strong, and, and you know, all respect to them. And I really hope this does um, does something special for them, both in terms of Dean's legacy, but also helping them financially, because all the money goes to them. And that's important, and completely unfairly too. I'm glad you mentioned the time at Melbourne, because if you look at what happened after he left, you know, Dean was really on the right track, and I think history will show mm. that he was doing good things at Melbourne before, and it was prematurely ended. Yeah, that's right. It was, you know, there's a lot of situations. Uh, I guess the context around what was happening, particularly the day that he was sacked, is, is outlined in the book. And uh, Bales, it was, it was one of the first things he said. I wasn't sure how open he was going to be with that when we first moved in together, uh, given he'd only just been sacked months beforehand at that point. Um, and it was, you know, he's always just a, a regular nice bloke, and he had nothing to hide. He was very open in terms of um, in terms of how. You know, how much info he would give, told his side of the story, and you know he was just—he was hard done by. But I think history will, as you say, you look back on that time, and he did a pretty good job with what he had. And you've spent, obviously, you know, some very important time with him, and uh, there'd be this strong spiritual connection between the two of you. What is the lasting kind of memory or legacy that Dean Bailey left with you, Paddy, as a man? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few things, Lawrence, but the the big. The big couple for me is that he, he treated everyone the same, regardless of whether it was a nurse coming in to change his bedpan or you know, a kid around the club or a superstar player or a board member. He was just, uh, he had fantastic people and communication skills and always made you feel like you were the most important person in the room and in, in right. his role. Um, and so that was, you know, he, he, I was the beneficiary of that at times as well. But then secondly, you know, once we got talking, particularly in depth later on in, in our visits and in the book, mm. we started talking about the concept of legacy as a leader and what you leave behind. Um, and I think that's why he really wanted to push on with the project even when he got, when he got very sick because yeah, a lot of what he de- did as a coach that made him special was that he, he helped change guys' lives in terms of it was great to teach them about football, but he, he would like to have an impact on people's lives and so that he knew he had done something long after he had mm. stopped working with the player. He was still with him in a way. Well, mate, it's a great thing that you've done. And as I say, it memorialises the memory of a man who was a fine contributor to the game and it sounds like had a terrific impact shaping the lives of young men. Paddy Steinford, the book is called Breakfast with Bales. Thanks for joining us on Triple M. Cheers, Seb. Thanks, Lawrence. See ya. There you go, Paddy. Tell you what, high-achieving family, the Steinfords too. Brother Tommy does a terrific job over there in Europe for Nine News and Carl, former cat and magpie, and now Paddy's a published author. I yeah. mean, it's uh, terrific. I think Carl and his wife uh, help out um, an orphanage in Cambodia, so they're a fine, contributing, very earnest family. This is a real thrill. The man who lifted the trophy, stitched it up on Saturday, the 2015 V8 Championship driver, Mark Winterbottom. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's uh, a bit surreal, really, to, to finally pick up the trophy and, you know, so many years try for this um, for this thing. So, uh, yeah, really, really cool to get it done. And we led since May, so if we had have lost it at the end, it would have been pretty depressing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good good to hold on and get it done. So you unveil the car uh, today or tomorrow with the number one on it. That's going to be a nice feeling. 
Yeah, it is. It's um, it's going to be really cool, you know, to uh, to to put number one on the car. It's um, yeah, it's it's just what we all race for, you know, to put that one and and it, it sort of shows that you were the best for that twelve months, the best team, and and uh, had the best result. So um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be going to be nice. But the the funny part is when you start signing your name, you. I've done it for 12 years that number five has been the number. You start yeah. writing number one, it just doesn't look right. So uh, um, we're going to have to win it a few more times. So it starts to feel natural because it, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's all it's, thrill at the It's moment. now time to just start focusing on the back-to-back, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, get yeah. ahead of yourself now. Just put I'm, this one on the shelf and let's yeah. <laughs> concentrate on next year. I like it, mate. And you never do it easy. I mean, you had to take it right to the last round with Craig Lowndes coming right at you. Must have been a relief to just get it done on the Saturday. Yeah, it was it was good to wrap it up and um, you know go to bed Saturday night. It was yeah nice to just know that Sunday you could turn up and and just enjoy it. To be honest, like we we've, yeah. we've, we love the sport and, and driving the car is what what you love. But um, but with all the pressure and everything at the last you know, a couple of months, probably in particular, it's um, not taking the enjoyment away, but it, it it hasn't been as enjoyable as what it it is when you you turn up Sunday wrapped it up. So, yeah, you um, know it's, it's really nice. Yeah, it's really it's, nice just to enjoy it's it. It's safe so you can support. just relish every moment of it. Growing up, Mark, uh, were you a, a Ford or a Holden kid? Uh, I wasn't probably brand specific, but mm. um, I used to be uh, a big Glenn Seaton fan. Right. Um, a Peter Brock fan. I think everyone loves Peter Brock, whether you yeah. liked Ford, Holden, whatever. But um, yeah, you used to love the drivers, but um, I never driven a Ford and I never driven a Falcon, so it was pretty cool to win the championship in a Falcon as well after... And you know, only driving one brand and one model of car um, to finally do it in the Falcon. With only you know, looks like it's coming to an end. The Falcon, so um, you know, one year to go maybe with that car as a race car um, to win it as the Falcon was special as well. And mate, Lawrence made the point earlier this morning. We were talking about your success, about how the success of a sports person is also the success of a parent. And I think it was beautiful to hear you talk about. Your mum, who, of course, is no longer with us, but she really made a lot of sacrifices to get to this point. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, really lucky as a, um, you know, kid growing up, and and um, yeah, she wanted the best for you, and she knows how important this was to to get this. So, um, yeah, I had to paint it on the helmet and, and stuff this year, so I felt like she was with me, even though, um, you know, not in person, but she, uh, yeah, she's been on the helmet. So it was, yeah, really cool to to win it and. Um, to know that, you know, she played a big part of it, and other people as well who not uh, who um, passed away this year as well. A, a guy who helped me, Jim Morton, and um, and also Howard Marsden in '04 who passed away, who got me into the category. So, um, right. yeah, lots of people who have played a big part who are not um, not here now, but um, yeah, you definitely respected and and wish they were. But um, you know, apparently they're watching. They always, everyone always says they're watching from above. So. I'm sure one day we'll catch up and have some beers again. And <laughs> Absolutely, talk mate. About, talk about the race. And they'll be really proud of you too. The 2015 V8 Supercar Drivers Champion, Mark Winterbottom. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Cheers. There's one story that caught my attention over the weekend, Lawrence, and this is the Sydney-based model Montana Cox. Mm. She was photographed in a local supermarket buying ingredients to make nachos. You can see the picture. She's got the Doritos. She's got a bit of tomato paste, some Mm. shredded cheese. And she's been given a dressing down by her management because, quote, when she is out in public, she is representing their company. And it's believed that buying nachos 
is defaming to the reputation of the company. <laughs> I think she was also berated for not wearing a bra. I mean, can't a girl have a day off and just head down to the supermarket, get some ingredients for nachos without being snapped by the paps and then, you know, reprimanded by your management agency. Seems all a bit harsh to me. Well, I think so. In fact, anybody snapped with the ingredients to nachos goes up in my book. I reckon you should be congratulated and given a pay rise. But I couldn't help but notice in the grocery bag as she's got, she's gone for the two different flavours of Doritos. Mm. There's both the lightly salted there and the tasty to the nacho cheese, the yellow bag as well. I've never done two different types of chips in nachos. Right. And and I heard when you were speaking about it before, you clearly you're a nachos man. You've got a, a way you go about it. Mm. And you've discovered something new. Yeah. Well, That's and she's, she's only gone the one flavor cheese. I like different types of cheese. Hi, you're a bit of a nacho aficionado. Have I, you ever gone the, two, the two-tiered chip? Yeah. I'm a cheese supreme and an original man. And why is that? Well, you start with the cheese supreme. It's very cheesy. It's good, and mm-hmm. then you can just ease back into the original. Okay. What's the Dorito in the red bag? That's the Cheese Supreme. They are the best. They're the best. That's what I reach for. So she hasn't got the Cheese Supreme there. No, which no, surprises me. No kidney beans, no guacamole, no sour cream either. It's a bit Spartan these mm. nachos, I think. Besides the two tone chips. And if that tomato paste hasn't already got the jalapenos in there, I definitely want them used quite liberally. Yeah, a bit of chopped tomato as well. Mm. One triple three five three. How do you make the best nachos? One triple three five three, or send us a tweet at MMM Hot Breakfast. We're talking recipes here, Lawrence. I do reckon you got to go the chopped tomatoes into tiny little squares, Diced. and that sort of gets sprinkled over the top with the sour cream and with the guacamole. Right. So yeah. that's all going on in the in the pan, yeah. as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you and you, you sort of layer it. You know, I, I I like mixing the sour cream sort of between the chips rather than just dumping it all on top, because it does make it easier to kind of stir it all around. Yeah, because mm. some, some are served with those as sides, aren't they? So mm. you don't get too much sogginess in your mm. in your nachos cook. Hyph, do you bake or microwave? Uh, mm. Oven, yeah, bake. Yeah, bake. Do you bake? Yeah. yeah. My, I'm, when I'm hungry, microwave. I need to eat. It's a bit like the Incredible Hulk. So really? I get, no, yeah, you I get in the microwave. chips up in the oven, though. Yeah, you but... It soggy in the microwave. Cheese melts nicely in the microwave. Ooh. Never had a microwave, and I probably never will. Well, you probably live longer than the rest of us for it. <laughs> At Oakley, David, lay it on us. G'day, fellas. How you doing? What are you Pretty doing? Pretty good. So when I, whenever I'm sitting down watching the cricket eating nachos, first mm. of all, I find they, uh, they taste far better when I'm eating them with a model. Second of all, call. Uh, microwave is no good. They end up soggy. Right. And the, uh, the two key ingredients are black olives and jalapenos. Otherwise, don't bother. Was Montana Cox on her way to your place, Dave, was she, when she was snapped in the supermarket? <laughs> is this just between us? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Just between the three of us. <laughs> Playing the guns close to the chest. Thanks, David. You're in line to win tickets to the TAB Corporate Box on Boxing Day. Erin at Werribee. How are you going? Good. What's your recipe? Um, we like to do a loaded nacho. So we do your normal nachos in the oven with cheese and salsa, and mm. then you cook a taco mix with um, like all your different beans, kidney beans on the stove. And you put the beef on as well. So it's like a Texan beef with tomatoes through it as well. Oh, interesting. I like it. I've heard of people eating nachos while loaded. I've never heard of the loaded nachos. <laughs> good on you, Aaron. That's fantastic. Rowan at Druin. How you going, guys? Mate, good. Make us hungry. What's your nacho recipe? Well, it's got to be layered. So you put the nacho, your corn chips down, mm-hmm. and then you put on you just your Passata, you don't use the salsa because all the other stuff gets in the way. So, passata, yep. which is just your know, straight tomato, 
and then you put crispy bacon mm. and your four cheeses. It's got to be a four cheese blend. Ah, now you've hit a nerve here. Montana Cox has got different chips in the photo, but she only has one type of cheese. What no, four cheeses do you need, Ro? Well, you can buy from the supermarket. It's a four cheese pizza it's, blend. Right, gotcha. It's got mozzarella, tasty, Ooh, whatever. You guys are experts. Yes. And then you do it again. So, but less is more, mate. Because I'll... you don't want it. You don't want to turn it into a soup because once you just put too much sauce or cheese on there. You lose the crispiness, and it's got to be in the oven oh, right. on a high heat for about five minutes, and it'll <laughs> melt everything through, mate. It's a perfect uh, way to do nachos. Rowan, you know what? I think I've got a nickname for you. Nacho, nacho, man. I want to be a nacho, man. That's fantastic. He is a nacho, man. Rowan, you know it so well. You've done this before. <laughs> I've done a lot. And to wind us up, Nikki is out there at Hampton. Nikki, have you got a recipe? Uh, nacho parmigiana. So Ooh. your standard parma, mm. but on top of the parma, we've got to add the salsa, yes. then the corn chips. On top of the corn chips, you've got to also add the avocado, yes. um, jalapenos, and then top it with cheese and chuck it in the oven. It's a nacho parmigiana. So the base Artichella. is actually the chicken schnitzel. Absolutely, the chicken schnitzel, wow. crumb chicken schnitzel. Delicious. A bit of protein. Even you could eat it on your high-protein diet with I the could. chicken parmigiana one. I could eat it on a cheat weekend. <laughs> Yes. Thank you very have much, you, Nikki. you spent all your points for the month, thanks to the boys' weekend yeah, down there at Safety Beach? I'm going to have to uh, really hit it hard today, running around the tan. So Are you? Stop and say good day if you see me out oh, there. Well, I will. Sweating profusely. I'll be eating nachos. It is a dance-off inside mm. the studio. Yeah, I was breaking the beats there. Mate, was, you were looking good. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> Mate, nothing we were like a hard. good piece of music to get you going in mm. the morning, and that certainly was one of those. And uh, we've listened to some great music this morning. We have. None better yeah. than your rendition of Ben oh, not this down the phone line. No. Whilst ben, testing a phone line. The two of us need looking no wow. more. Oh, my God. You're really pulling at my heart. Thing. We... You don't sound like Carmen from we South Park, though. For... Have we not had enough of this? It's... Triple M listeners who complained when they played Adele, can we please get some complaints in to get that band from the airwaves? <laughs> I like how the listeners get involved when they don't like the music yeah. or when they love it. Well, And they love that because yeah. that is a beautiful rendition no. of Michael Jackson's well, band. Well, you may mock Mr Mooney. I have a text right here, actually, from the lovely Leah who used to teach me how to sing when I was a bit younger. Oh, so you've had lessons. You're formally trained. I know it might not seem like that from that, but Leah says, what a lovely surprise to hear you on Triple M. Even got a little singing from you too. Made my day. So thank you, Leah. See, she likes it and she's a professional. You've changed the colour of somebody's day with a few bars of Ben. That's very nice. Yeah, so, you know, not everybody's as mean as you are, Mr Mooney. No, I'm not being mean. I like it. I... (laughs) Sounds funny. Actually, you are. It's more the hyphen behind the desk you are more concerned about. No, I'm definitely laughing at you. Yeah, we're laughing at you. Oh, dear. Well, we've had some fun, mate. It's been a lot of fun. Should we do it again tomorrow? I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Let's go have some nachos for breakfast. And we go to Brett from Hampton Park. Morning, Brett. Says you've done a wonderful job. Oh, Brittles, you win. Ben, oh, the hyphen. two of you us need to look no more.